very, very much, and uh, there is still a lot of work to do, that's for sure, and uh, I, I really enjoyed that, that's a great message and song, and very glad to get to be here tonight, this first time in, in uh, New York City for us Okies, and uh, so we're, we have, uh, I was talking to some earlier, and we are in the wow factor right now, you know, just amazed, this is a big place. There's a lot of folks here. You've got a lot of work to do, that's for sure. And Angie was trying to explain it to the boys even this afternoon. We have three boys. And um, she said, well, there's three times the, the uh, people of Oklahoma, we have three million in the state. <laughs> so you have about three, three times the size right here. And in about a third of the location, we're 40 miles across uh, both ways in Oklahoma City. It's the seventh largest city in the nation in terms of landmass-wise. So we got all kinds of room. Y'all come on out there, you know. So, no, not really. You need to stay here. So. <laughs> but, um, man, I, I, this has put it in perspective for me, you know. And so, anyways, uh, I'm just very thankful to get to be here. We've had good fellowship and good time and... And as a preacher mentioned, uh, just getting to go to the ball game and learn a little bit of the culture here and riding the subway, that's an experience. And, uh, and uh, the traffic here, I'm never going to complain about the traffic in Oklahoma City again, ever, ever. Right. At least for a while. So. <laughs> and uh, then we enjoyed a diner last night. Man, that was fantastic. And I mean, everything, everything's done well here. The food is amazing. You know, we're just enjoying that. I'm sorry, I don't mean to just go on and on, but I, I'm just telling you, we've already enjoyed it. And uh, being able to go to Liberty Island today and Ellis Island, man, that, you know, that's, that's a blessing. And, but, uh, you know, as I watch you coming into church tonight, I'm telling you, that's what it's really about, you know, to me. And, and to see the joy on your face as you came in, what a marked difference the Lord has made in your lives. That, it's, it's really Remarkable, And so I want to say to Brother Montoro, thank you for inviting us. Angie's looking forward to speaking to the ladies. And, and I think I even get to preach to the ladies one time. I've never done that in my life. So this is, uh, this is going to be exciting. Uh, and so I appreciate that opportunity, too, and get to be with you on Sunday. And then to get to be with these men in the ministry, uh, Refresher Institute. And uh, we've, we've had a good time. Our first session was examining the preacher examining the preacher, you know, like an MRI. And so examining the preacher, see how, how's the preacher doing before we can even get to the text. And so we've had a good time of fellowship. So I want to say thank you for making it, uh, make it so enjoyable already. And so I look forward to getting into the message here tonight. I hope to be a help and a blessing and, and uh, even just to challenge you as, uh, as really just the, the church and, and the service that you do here together uh, I want to really give you a, a challenge here from God's Word tonight, even on, along those lines. So please take your Bibles tonight and turn to 1 Samuel chapter number 23. 1 Samuel and chapter number 23. I'm entitling the message this, since it is the MRI, I, wanted, I just prayerfully considered, of course, where to preach. And this is a passage that's very dear to my heart, and I'll explain why here in a little bit. But with it being the ministry refresher and the midweek service, and isn't it a blessing we can come here together and sing to the Lord, and about the Lord in the middle of the week like this, and be encouraged, and fellowship, and all that goes into it. 
But with it being, you know, a little bit of an emphasis on the ministry refresher, which, by the way, thank you for hosting that on, and, and just making a difference really in preachers' lives in, here on the East Coast and being a help to them. Uh, I'm entitling the message this, Ministry 101. Ministry 101. And if you're saved tonight, uh, then you're in the ministry. If you're saved tonight, you're in the ministry. You say, well, Jason, I'm not called into the full-time ministry. Oh, but you are. You know, maybe not in the sense of you're a pastor or in the ministry like that, but if if you're saved and you care about others, then you have been called to minister, to serve. So how about we consider that? Ministry 101, here's the subtitle. Helping others abound. Helping others abound. Let's take God's word tonight and stand together as we read here in 1 Samuel chapter number 23, ministry 101, helping others abound. All right, look at it in verse number one. It says, then they told David, saying, behold, the Philistines fight against Keilah. Now, let me ask you a quick question here before we go any further. Is David the king at this time in, in uh, Israel's history, 1 Samuel 23? No, he's not. It's actually King Saul. So why are they going to David? It's a good question. Okay, 1 Samuel 23, verse 1 goes on this way. And they robbed the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and smite these Philistines? And the Lord said unto David, Go and smite the Philistines and save Keilah. And David's men said unto him, Behold, we be afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we come to Keilah? Do you understand what they're saying there? They're saying to David, David, um, if we're scared right now here, how much more is it going to be like when we go there? You know, and so they're saying, I don't I don't know about this against the armies of the Philistines. Look what happens in verse number four. Then David inquired of the Lord yet again. Aren't you thankful tonight that God let you come back to him again and pray? And he prayed again and he inquired of the Lord. And the Lord answered and answered him and said, Arise, go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into thine hand. So David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines and brought away their cattle and smote them with a great slaughter. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. Ministry 101, helping others abound. Keep your Bible handy. We're going to use some more verses here from this text. But let's have a word of prayer and we'll get into it here tonight. Father, we have gathered together here tonight in your honor and to consider your word. And I pray, dear God, that you would help us as we consider this text and help us to see how it applies to our lives and to understand what was going on in David's time, but then to see, God, how it comes right into our time as well. And pray that you'd give the liberty to preach and the opportunity to convey what you've said, just to encourage, Lord, these, your servants here in this area that is needy of the gospel. And so, Father, I pray that you'd help. Uh, For Jesus' sake, in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated.
Well, God wants uh, all all people who are saved to be involved in the ministry. I enjoy trying to get that across, even at Southwest Baptist Church, and how that um, you know sometimes we can look at ministry almost like the uh, the gondola in in like Italy. Can you picture that with me in your mind as the gondolero is going down the river and and everybody's in the boat. Are you with me here? You know what I'm talking about? Can everybody see that? Okay, so there, there they go in, the, uh, in their boat ride. And really, it's just one person doing the work, right? Just as everybody's enjoying that. And I guess that could be a picture of how that, uh, how that we could go about the ministry. But, you know, I really believe a better picture would be like this, like a rowing team. Everybody has a place. And the pastor may be also at a place and has an oar, but he may be calling cadence. You know what I mean by that? Saying row, row. A few years ago, we took the uh, the staff down to Oklahoma City, and and we were uh, at a place where where there was a 16 man boat, and we had 12, so we were already outnumbered, and uh, none of us had done any rowing like that before. And I was sitting actually behind Brother Dale Leaser. Brother Dale's uh, was a uh, is a blind gentleman. He lives out in North Carolina now, but at the time he was playing the piano at Southwest Baptist, and so I was behind him. And every time he hit the water. It would just chop water right onto me. And so I was totally drenched uh, because Brother Dale obviously wasn't seeing where the water was. So it was quite an interesting time we had, you know. And so it took us a little bit of time to kind of get into a rhythm. But as everybody grabbed an oar, it was amazing how that when we learned to work together, how fast that boat began to go. And so I believe that that's a better picture. And that's what I see here at Open Door Bible Baptist Church, that it's not just one person doing all the work and everybody else is in for the ride, but all of you have a place in ministering right here at this at this location. And thank God for that, amen, that you have the opportunity to serve the Lord together as a church family. I believe that's a better picture of it, of a church family and how it's supposed to work together. Somebody asked a uh, well-known football coach, said, uh, how much do you think that national, that, uh, you know, college football contributes uh, to the overall health of America? And he said, well, really not very much. He said, the way I see it, there are 40,000 plus people in the stands. Uh, and then, there, of course, there are 22 out on the field. So there's 22 out on the field who desperately need a break. And there's 40,000 plus in the stands who desperately need exercise. And so he said, there's not a whole lot that it contributes. All right, so here's David, uh, you know, that is really developing into leadership. And this would be his first group that has come to him to ask for his guidance, to ask for leadership and involvement. He's a young leader. Saul is, to, is the leader of Israel. He is the king of Israel. So they really should have come to Saul rather than to David, but... He, they don't. There must be a reason why they came to David rather than to Saul. Now, we need to deal with that here in the text to understand it and to get a good understanding of that. But they did. They came to David. And, and so David says to his men, the 400 men that were gathered together with him, and he says, we need to go and save Keilah. But before he went to his men, what did he do? He went to God. And he asked God, he inquired of the Lord, Lord, shall I go and save Keilah? And God gave the answer back and said, yes, essentially, yes, go, and I will deliver them into your hands. And so David made sure. Now, the reason I believe that David made sure that he was supposed to go and do this is that really it was Saul's job. It was his responsibility. But Saul had something else going on. We'll get to that here in just a moment. 
But at this point in time, uh, David has quite a crew. I want you, I'd like for you to take your Bibles and turn back to 1 Samuel chapter 22. And I want to show you this crew that David is leading here. And I think it'll make a big, uh, big impact on you when you see this, this unlikely group that he had. 1 Samuel 22 and verse... Oh, let's look at verse number one. It says, David, therefore, departed thence and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brother and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. Now, look at this group in verse two. It says this. And everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented. So you want a three-point outline? There it is. Distressed, in debt, and discontented. <laughs> kind of sounds like Bible college students, doesn't it? So <laughs> in debt, in distress, and sometimes discontent. Maybe so. They gathered themselves unto him, and watch this now, and he became a captain over them. And there were with him about 400 men. This is an unlikely group. In fact, Matthew Henry said they didn't quite know what to do with themselves. They didn't quite know what to do with themselves. They were in debt. They were discontented. They were, they were in distress. And so here's David, a young leader, and uh, he's a captain. Now, he's seen a measure of success, and God had obviously blessed, and he defeated Goliath. And, and they began to sing his praises. You know, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. And so anyways, I mean, he's, he, but he's a young and upcoming leader. He doesn't have a lot of experience. And they, they come to David and ask that he might lead them. And so he turns to these 400 men who are in distress, into debt, and discontented. And he says, God wants us to go. Now, here's the question I want to pose to you tonight. How can you, with all of your deficiencies, lead others, with all of their deficiencies, to a place of abounding? What does it mean to abound? Well, the word abound means this, to thrive, to to, to do well, to excel. And so, you know, God wants to use us. God wants to use you to help others to thrive, not just to survive, but to thrive. He also wants to use you to help others to excel. So maybe who, who would that be in your life? Well, maybe if you're married tonight, God wants to use you to help your wife to excel, to do well, to thrive. Does this make sense here? Or if you're a wife, then to help your husband. Or if you're a parent, how about this, parents? Don't we want to see our children excel? And don't we want to see them thrive? And maybe as you work here in the church and maybe have occasion to teach a Sunday school class or you have occasion to go out and, and to knock doors and invite people to come. And maybe you see somebody come to the Lord. Isn't that a glorious thing to see somebody trust Jesus Christ? And, and we have a lot of new believers in our church. And, and I'm telling you, it's exciting to watch them begin to grow. And, and right now I'm doing uh, premarital counseling with a couple. And she was saved out of Catholicism. And, and man, she came for, uh, I, I guess, a good number of weeks. And she began to understand that she was a sinner and that there was nothing that she could do to save herself, but that Jesus came and did. And I love how you have it here. It is finished. And, and she understood that the work necessary for her salvation was already done. And, and she trusted Christ as her Savior. And I'm telling you, it's almost like she can't get enough Bible right now. You know what I mean by that? 
she's thriving and growing and developing. And, and then she's got a concern for her co-workers. And so if you work a job, God can use you at the job place to minister, to serve those that you work with so that you can see them come to a place of knowing Christ and then having known him to begin to grow and to thrive and to abound. Rather than to be lacking and deficient and struggling and in difficulties and want. So how can we, with all of our deficiencies, because how many of you here tonight would say, put me in that category? I've got some deficiencies. I've got some inadequacies. I've got some challenges. I've got areas where I don't know what to do and I, I don't quite know what to do with myself. I'm talking as a preacher. How can we, with all of our inadequacies, lead others with all of their inadequacies to a place of abounding? Is that a valid question here tonight? So is there an answer in the text? That's what we want to look at. Now, Saul, before we move on to David, let's just deal just a moment here with Saul. Saul was not helping the people that he was supposed to help. And I'll tell you why. Because he was a self-centered leader. He was self-centered. Why do I say that? Well, let me just point out a few things here about Saul. We're not going to spend all of our time here, but I believe it'd be easy to see this. If you want to jot these verses down, then you can check it out later. But a self-centered leader feels threatened by the success of others. When they began to sing, sorry, Saul has killed his thousands, David has killed his ten thousands, Saul became jealous. Self-centered people... Become jealous. Self-centered people, self-centered leaders, pursue their own agenda. In chapter 22 and verse number 6, look at it with me here just a moment. It says, when Saul heard that David was discovered and the men that were with him, now Saul was under Gibeah, under a tree in Ramah, having his spear in his hand and all his servants were standing about him. So here's, here's what I see about self-centered leaders. They devote their time and energy to pursuing their own agenda rather than what God wants them to do. Saul was pursuing David. Really, David was just intending to do him well. But Saul was pursuing David when really he should have been chasing Philistines. Self-centered leaders lead with a spear rather than a shepherd's staff. In verse number 6, I see that he had a spear in his hand. I see that self-centered leaders question the motives of other spiritual leaders. Another thing about self-centered leaders is that they don't have to have the truth to operate. Look at verse number eight. He says this, that all of you have conspired against me. Was that true? Well, no, it wasn't true at all. There is none that showeth me that my son hath made a league with the son of David. And there is none of you that is sorry for me. I mean, (laughs) you're talking about having a pity party, invited everybody in Israel to it. That's exactly what Saul did. None of you are for me. Everybody's against me. You know, when, when you become selfish, you begin to think that everybody's against you. That's where Saul was. Okay? He, he attacked even a good man and, and later in the chapter. And again, we won't take time to see all that. But here's what, I'm, here's what I'm wanting to get across to you. Self-centered leaders pursue their own agenda to the detriment of those that are under their leadership. When Saul was pursuing David, rather than standing as king of Israel and fighting against the Philistines, he left his country wide open to the attack of the enemies. And thus, when they were attacked 
there in Keilah by the Philistines. They didn't go to Saul because Saul was going after his agenda, but rather they went to David. And what David did that is so helpful to us is that he inquired of the Lord. How do you lead people to a place of abounding? Here it is in one statement. The way that you lead others to a place of abounding is that you must pursue God's agenda rather than your own. Pursue God's agenda rather than your own. Because when you pursue God's agenda rather than your own, you're going to be focused on helping others rather than helping yourself. Okay? My first experience in serving as a leader with other people my age, you know, I had worked in a bus ministry. Kids had been swinging on my tie. Essentially, you know what I mean by that? I mean, just kids being kids. I'd had that experience in leadership. But my very first experience in being a leader among peers came as a resident assistant at Baptist Bible College, where I went to Bible College. Resident assistant. So there were 31, I believe, 30 to 31 guys on that floor, on uh, third floor Smith where we were. Of the 31, by the time we got to the end of the spring semester, there were 18 left. (laughs) We went from 31 down to 18. I'm telling you, it was a crazy year. I thought, I mean, obviously, you begin to wonder about yourself. Am I really supposed to be a leader? I went from 31 to 18. Those are not good odds. You know, we had a unique group of guys there. Um, one of the guys was from Texas. That wasn't necessarily his problem, but it didn't help. But <laughs> he spent most of his time out in the woods or on the lake hunting and fishing. I mean to tell you that guy, he didn't hardly go to class, but he had a whole lot of hunting stories. You know what I mean? And came one, came home one day. I can't, I can't even believe this happened. Somehow he had caught a bat, like in a cave, one of those bats. And brought it in the dorm room. I'm checking rooms, you know, to see if the guys are picking up after themselves like they're supposed to, you know, and just trying to help them have a little bit of discipline. And I open up the door and there's a bat flying around in the room. I thought, this is absolutely crazy. What have I signed up for? You know what I mean? Some of them, you know, had to leave because of school debt. Some of them had some, you know, real distress in their life. And, and uh, some of them were really discontent. And are, are you hearing where I'm going with this? In debt, discontent, and in distress. It's quite a crew right there. Yep, from 31 down to 18. Man, that was a challenging year. In fact, one guy, I mean, I'm not trying to give anybody any ideas here. Not that you have to give guys a bunch of ideas. You know, I found that guys can come up with their own ideas, especially when they're alone. That's why God said in Genesis chapter 2, it's not good for a man to be alone. I don't think that's the only reason, but uh, that certainly does illustrate why it's not good for a man to be alone. And so here's a bunch of guys in a dorm. And one guy gets a brilliant idea. We had, you know, the the, uh, the hallway didn't have carpet. It was just the old kind of tile, you know. And, and so he put rubbing alcohol down the hallway and lit that thing of fire and fire went down the hallway. Can you believe this? In Bible college, that was the group of guys that I was leading. Ironically, that year, the theme was stay with the master out of Mark chapter 4. Stay with the master. There's more water outside the boat than there is in the boat. Stay in the boat. (laughs) Out of 31, 18 did. (laughs) For the Hiram, I got to tell you, I was really wondering if I had a 
if I had discerned God's call or not. I mean, that's just where I was at that point in time. So our dean of men, Brother Ed Hewlett, he had a, a devotion for us that, this particular day. And he said, there are three keys to spiritual leadership. And actually, they're in this text, and that's why I'm sharing that with you here tonight. It was kind of like he was saying, look, this is ministry 101. You've got to begin with prayer. Three keys. You ready for them? This is what it means to help others abound spiritually. Begin with prayer. He said in three words, prayer, initiative, compassion. Prayer, initiative, compassion. We understand prayer and the need for it because really everything does depend on God, right? Prayer. Initiative, that means we need to take it. I mean, even while we pray, also God expects us to be involved, right? Prayer, initiative. we got to take initiative. And then, how about this one? Compassion. Prayer, initiative, compassion. You know what I did? I took those three words and I put them in my dorm room as I walked in. Prayer, initiative, compassion. Prayer, initiative, compassion. Working with this group that was in distress, in debt, and discontented. Prayer, initiative, compassion. Phil Lydic was on that floor, Brother Montoro, that year. And he asked me later, he said, Brother Jason, do you know everything that went on that year? And I said, you know, Brother Phil, I don't really want to know. I began with prayer, took initiative, and had to have a whole lot of compassion. And I'm glad to tell you, Phil Leidick was one of those young men that was on that floor. And he went on to be an RA at Heartland Baptist Bible College. And I hope he got a good dose of what he gave me that year. I mean that in love. <laughs> but I learned to lead that year by prayer, initiative, and compassion. What do we see in our text? David, the Philistines rob the people of Keilah, what did David do? What was number one? He prayed. Then what did he do? He went to the men and said, men, God has told us that we're to go. What is that? Initiative. They said, but David, wait a minute. We're scared right here. How much more when we go to Keilah? What did David say? Did he say, you bunch of losers, why don't you get with it? Come on, man up. <laughs> no, that's not what he said. He, he what? He had compassion and he went back to step number one. He prayed again. And God, God's answer did not change. His word did not change. And then he came back to the men and said, no, I, God has said that we're to go. He took initiative and he had compassion. Prayer, initiative, and compassion. I'm telling you, those three keys have really helped me in trying to minister to others, beginning with prayer, working with, with initiative, and then having tons of compassion is how that God wants to work in us and through us. So that that next year, as I was an RA again, and Angie and I actually thought about getting married, but, and, I, and I was all for that, by the way, but I just really felt like that God wanted, to, wanted me to be an RA again and for her to be an RA again. And that next year on First Floor Smith, i got to tell you, it was really a wonderful experience. God just assembled a group of young men who were serious-minded 
And in fact, we, the group that we started with that year, we ended with in the spring. All of them, however many it was. It was a glory hallelujah time. And I'm so thankful for that. And, and they were creative and, and every year we would like decorate the, the dorm floor for Christmas time and kind of have like an open house. And they said, uh, I said to the guys, I said, guys, how do you want to decorate the, the dorm floor here this, this time of the year? And they said, you know, Brother Jason, you're the leader. Why don't you just pray about it and tell us what you want to do and we'll come in alongside of you and be a help to you. Well, man, this is great. You know, no bats flying around in the rooms and stuff. It was wonderful. So that year we did, were you born in a barn? We decorated the whole floor like a barnyard, you know, and one guy got creative and made like a horse. And, and uh, one guy, you know, we, of course, had straw down the hay, down the way and just all kinds of stuff. Barnyard uh, scene. You can picture that in your mind. And at the end, we had the manger scene. Were you born in a barn? But aren't you thankful that he came and he was and and for us. And it really turned out all right. Prayer, initiative, compassion. You know, that works in the ministry. Can I say a word to the pastors here just a moment? Men, as we pastor, people, don't we need to begin with prayer? Doesn't it require us to take initiative? And then don't, doesn't it require for us to have compassion? Church members, doesn't it work this way for those of, as you're attending church? Prayer, pray for your pastor. Pray for your church family. Take initiative. You see something that... Uh, that is a need, then take the lead. That we have that saying around Southwest. See the need, take the lead. Some of the guys have kind of become hesitant on, on voicing some new ideas, you know. Because they say, oh, hey, that's a good idea. See the need, take the lead. You're in charge, you know. So, initiative, compassion. As, as church members, don't you have to have compassion one with another? How about this? How about in marriage? Isn't that a great place for prayer? For initiative? For compassion, right? How about this one? Being a parent, prayer, initiative, compassion, bukus of compassion. How about this? Working with a new believer. Isn't it a wonderful thing? Being able to lead them to Christ, praying for them, taking initiative. And then having compassion, even when maybe they mess up and they're discouraged or whatever it is, prayer, initiative, compassion. How about at where you work? I, I enjoyed speaking uh, with Brother Swain just a moment ago, talking about praying for those kids where you work in the school, and if you work in a school place or you work at, a, at, a, at your job site. Praying for them, taking initiative, and then having compassion. I'm telling you, I've seen that this, this approach to ministry works everywhere. Prayer, initiative. Compassion. Ministry 101. Help others thrive by praying for them, by taking initiative, and having compassion. See, David was able to help others abound because he was pursuing God's agenda rather than his own. You know what happens to these men? I'm talking about these men in 1 Samuel chapter 22. They become the, might, the mighty men of David in 2 Samuel chapter 22. Same men. And they're listed there having slain and they give all the, the conquest and the 
accomplishments of these men, these unlikely men. But isn't it just like God to use an unlikely source to do his great work? These men who at one time were in debt and discontented and in distress, now they are conquering and serving and thriving. Why? Well, because there's a God in heaven who has an agenda, and he lets us become a part of that and communicates with us and shows us so that we can follow his agenda and we can help others abound if we'll get on God's agenda rather than on my own. Because on my own, I don't pray. I don't take initiative. And I don't have compassion. Because people aren't doing things my way. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Yeah. But that's why we need the Spirit of God to help us. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Building your faith. It's initiative. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Jude says. It means I'm supposed to Make sure I have a growing, loving relationship with God so that I can have compassion on others. Let's stand together here tonight. Helping others abound. Are you doing that? Who's thriving? Who is abounding under your care? Who is abounding under your care? I hope tonight that you've seen, hey, I do have a place in ministry. Being a member of a church means that you have a place in ministry. Take it seriously. Follow through on that ministry with prayer, initiative, and compassion. So we're going to have an invitation time here tonight. If you'd like to come and kneel here at the front or where you are. Father, I thank you for the love that you've shown us. As well as the love that you have for others, dear God. I praise you for it, dear God. And Lord, as I turn the invitation now over to the pastor of this church, I pray, dear God, that you'd work through us. There's people all about us, dear God, that need the ministry of the word. God, help us to be people of prayer, of initiative and compassion. That you might work in us and through us. To help others abound, I pray, dear God. Help us, Lord, I pray, as pastors. and Help us, dear God, as faithful church members, Christ-like people. Not to live for ourselves, dear God, but to live for you, to be on your agenda, not on our agenda. Help us to do that, Lord, to follow the example of David here. In Jesus' name.